Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. When you think of the word passion, what do you think of? When you hear the word passion, what do you see in your mind? Maybe a person like your spouse or a child. When you think of passion, it may be um, a cause like taking care of those who are experiencing homelessness or starting a ministry in the Dominican Republic. It may be those children. What is your passion? Maybe a sport like golf or tennis or even Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It may be a place like Italy or a place like France. What is your passion? When most people refer to passion, they mean strong emotions, you know, reflecting an intense desire or a boundless enthusiasm that gives them life and purpose, something or someone that they love so deeply that they'll pursue it with all of their heart, strength, and mind. What is your passion? Today is known as Sunday of the Passion, Palm Sunday, and it's the beginning of Holy Week. This week, we'll see the climax of Jesus' mission in which the deepest meaning of his life is unfolded, and then in which his teaching actually becomes flesh, incarnated in his words and his actions. This week, we will literally see Jesus' Passion. We'll see what Jesus loves deeply. We'll see what God will pursue with every fiber of God's being. The crowd, see, arrives. Jesus is rode into Jerusalem. And we just read this. And you could say the crowds were also passionate about Jesus. They were waving branches and spreading their coats along the road as they gave him this royal welcome into the holy city. And they chant, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. See, this Palm Sunday crowd recognized something special, something unique about Jesus. And they were passionate because they believed that he was God's anointed one who would free them from Roman occupation. But as we will see, and as we've just read, Jesus doesn't necessarily fit their preconceived notions of how a Messiah ought to act. They don't know what to do with that. What do they do with their passion? They don't know what to make of one who, despite having a commanding presence, talks not of power through force, but power that comes through, as Paul says, emptying oneself. 
taking on the form of a slave, dying to oneself to find genuine and real and true life. They just don't know what to do with this Jesus. Sometimes I don't know what to do with Jesus. Sometimes I've heard the story so much. I don't know what to do with this Jesus. How about you? Especially when he's asking me to love in the manner in which he loves. When I want to take up power. When I want to be in control. When I want to be in charge. When I want to be king. I don't know what to make of this Jesus who says to me to empty myself. The crowd does not know what to make of the one who embraces a different kind of peace. The peace that comes from the realization that love, that self-giving love, and love alone can meet and take on and master vengeance, lust for power, greed, hatred, unforgiveness. See, the crowd doesn't know what to make of the one who challenges them and the one who challenges us to embrace a love that's so potent that in the place of vengeance, it can lead us to face the full fury of hatred and animosity, a love that is so transforming that it empowers us to confront life and death with a spirit of gratitude and trust. The crowd just doesn't know what to do with this kind of king. Sometimes I don't either. It wasn't what they wanted or expected. And so, as we see, they turn on him, don't they? Their passion changes and shifts into a different kind of passion. But Jesus, Jesus, he demonstrates what true passion looks like. See, when the Bible uses the word passion, it doesn't mean uh, some immense and indistinguishable enthusiasm. No, in the Latin, the word is pate, and it means to suffer. It means to suffer, to endure suffering and pain. So Jesus, in the true sense of the word, is passionate. His fierce love for the world, his fierce love for you and for me, his fierce love led him to pursue us with faith, determination, and every single fiber of his being. Jesus, in the true sense of the word, was passionate. He was so determined by his desire to redeem us, to reconcile us, to break down the walls that separate and divide, to break down hostility and hatred and fear. He was so determined by his desire to redeem us that he was willing to endure pain, suffering, loss, and ultimately, death. And you know, as I hear this story again, I'm almost, to maybe some of your delight, almost tempted not 
to say a word and let the story of the gospel speak for itself. But what stands out to me in this dark and difficult story is something that I just can't wrap my heart fully around. That God in Christ did this for us. This is God. God did this. God endured this for all of us. When his friends denied knowing him, what did he do? He loved them anyway. When the men who arrested him falsely and mocked him and beat him and insulted him, what did he do? He loved them anyway. When the leaders violently and falsely accused him, handed him over to Pilate, what did he do? He loved them anyway. When Pilate had, beat, had him beaten with rods and whipped, he loved them anyway. When the crowd screamed, crucify him, he loved them anyway. When his life was traded for Barabbas, an insurrectionist and a murderer, he loved them anyway. And when he was hung on a cross beside two criminals, he loved them anyway. When the people stood by watching and the leaders scoffed at him, he loved them anyway. And here is a truth that must meet us where we live. This is where the truth and the beauty of this God and this good news and this gospel must meet us. In my shame, in my doubt, in my fear, in my indifference, in my cynicism, in my rebellion, in my sin, in my brokenness, in all of it. He loves me anyway. And it's true for you. See, Jesus' life wasn't torn from him. In Christ, God willingly took the violence, the contempt, the apathy, the sin, and the arrogance of this world and absorbed them all into his body. And he loved us anyway. He does not strike back. He does not scold. He does not accuse or blame. But what does he do? He prays. He prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The first words that Jesus utters from the cross is a prayer, a prayer for the people who were putting him to death. Think about that. His response is love. His response is concern. The first people who come to his mind are his enemies, not himself, not his mama, not his family, not his friends, but his enemies. Those are the ones who were first and foremost in his heart and in his prayers. Christ takes the hatred. 
takes the violence, takes the vengeance, takes the spit and the indifference of the world and says no more. And he reveals to us the costly love for God, of God, for God's people. On the cross, Jesus insists that God's love reaches into the hard things, the low things, the scandalous things, the gritty, the messy, the broken, the dirty, and the dark things. God does not remove himself from the worst of the world, but he enters fully into this broken, sinful, messed up, muddled up, shook up world, and he loves us anyway. His last words were these. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. These are a prayer, I think, of confidence, of trust, of love, of, of relationship, and obedience. Why? Because while his torture and his humiliation and his death are tragic, it's not an accident. This is what God looks like. It's what God's love looks like. This is God. It's how far God goes to bring us back to him. Jesus does not die to make it possible for God to love and forgive us. No, Jesus dies because he's passionate about us. And show us that in spite of ourselves, he loves us anyway. So, as we enter into this week that we call holy, Receive this love. Receive it in a new way. And may your prayer be, remember me. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.